Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Confession, possibly once you hear it, not much of a confession, but even the idea of confession and what I'm about to say goes to the same sort of place. Jail. Now, before you go too far, before I allow you to go too far, let me just say this. No, I did not end up in jail. No, I have not gone to prison. No. (laughs) I don't want to. Uh, I'm not even going to do anything willfully or intentionally that would get me close to, remotely close to, any of that stuff. And that's the confession. I have never been incarcerated. (laughs) Now, that may sound like it's sort of like a good thing, right? Never been incarcerated. Never done anything that anybody felt like a judge, anyone, a constable, an officer of the law felt like I needed to be somehow put somewhere where there would be under lock and key. But I don't know that that is necessarily true. And I don't even know that it's necessarily true that I've not been in prison or imprisoned in jail (laughs) as we spoke on last week's podcast, penitentiary. Uh... I'm in jail now. No, I'm not coming to you from the local Huskow. I am coming to you from my studio where we do or I do the podcast. But the jail is in some ways imprisonment that all of us know. The prison itself, the penitentiary... I don't know that we're doing penitence now. (laughs) Sort of like, okay, before you even realize that we put you in jail, we're not going to let you go until you realize it. But I do believe, however, that I possess the king, the keys (laughs) to the kingdom, the keys that will set me free. The trouble is, though, am I willing to take whatever imprisonment, internment that's necessary to be free, to experience freedom. It's a contradiction. It's a paradox. It's counterintuitive. It's all those dichotomous sort of representations. That's very, very confusing. (laughs) Maybe we can make some sense of it today, especially since I put you in prison with me. And uh, have already intimated that you too have the keys to set you free. And yes, indeed, they are one and the same with the keys to the kingdom. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they all, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join himself to them. (laughs) 
And that's important, the dared, because that gets back to what I was saying a moment ago. There's a bit of peril attached to this. No man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. So what that means is you can't really say that you're with them, at least outwardly, for fear of imprisonment, internment. But you can say, I agree with them. And as much as you might say that to one another, I suppose you have to also include talking to yourself. Uh, But certainly you don't want the authorities that seem to be in power, that seem to be empowered to put you in such the jail. To hear it, because if they did, (laughs) you're going to have a problem on your hands. Not only are they not going to want to hear it, but they're going to punish you. And (laughs) that certainly has nothing to do with penitence. Penitence and punishment do not go hand in hand. They only seem to go hand in hand, but it depends on which side of the issue you're looking at it from. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. And what would that mean? Believers, certainly any actions should follow belief, but belief then preceding, preceding any actions that proceed, that with integrity you have to believe first. But with integrity, then you have to demonstrate that. So therein is the conundrum. Do I really practice what I preach? Do I really then not only think it, not only agree with it, not only believe it, but dare I speak it? And then dare I speak it such that you too might believe it? And then all of a sudden, those in power are not going to like it. They're going to put me in prison. Get back in your prison. I'm already in prison. (laughs) I've declared that. My flesh, my mortality, my body, this tent, this earthly temple (laughs) made of clay and with that clay feet upon which it sets the kingdom mine. (laughs) The kingdom of Dave, clay. It is a trap. (laughs) It seems that I'm already trapped. And with that, there's no way out. And should there be a way out, it may just have to be that I'd have to be willing to lay down everything that seemingly so, intuitively so, is about my staying alive, my very life itself. You could measure that literally. Life and death, Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross. It was with his life, so that we might know, have we too possessed the keys to unlocking the jail cell, and with that, the keys to the kingdom. I declared, I was going to say said, but I want it to be more emphatic than that. I declared last podcast that it might cost you your life. 
But what would that be in comparison to the liberty and the freedom? The mortality itself, death itself, is the prison. But as long as you stay in the prison, and not necessarily the physical prison, because really in the end, there is no escaping the prison except through Jesus Christ. And then it starts with belief, but belief once more for the sake of integrity and establishing, validating that you believe, you have to act on it. These individuals were seeing all sorts of marvelous things coming from those who demonstrated in probably a much better way than I could or did state it or could possibly even put it into conceptual sort of framework. Why? (laughs) They were willing to do what they did. Not only on the action parts (laughs) with presenting the words of life, but also on the action parts that in presenting a presentation of the words of life and the source of all life and the source of all word and the word turned living word, Jesus Christ, who resurrects and redeems, who is God's only begotten son, who came to save the world, who you cannot, you will not ever be able to get past and hope to be set free. You must accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why? Because you have to go the same route. It's the key that unlocks the jail. He is the key that unlocks the jail, the prison, and sets you free. Will you still be bound by your mortality? Yes, You can't escape that either. They're in the conundrum. They're in the paradox. They're in the intuitive, counterintuitive, depending on what side you look at it, either with that, the great curse or the great blessing. The curse is you're going to die. But once you get to Jesus and get through Jesus, the blessing is you're going to die because you're not going to be set free. You have to, however, believe And if you don't believe, then you'll never go the distance in testing out the premise. It is a hypothesis until you can prove it to be true. But no one comes back from the dead. Oops, Jesus did. And tells us about it. Whoa, Jesus did. And then shows us in material dimension. Oops, again, Jesus did. So that we might know. So that those that are brought back from the dead, as we might witness them being brought back from the dead, as with Christ's resurrection, as with Lazarus come forth, as with all of those that might have had that great blessing of of coming back physically from the dead, I don't want to. That would be like setting me free and then recidivism. Then I'm going to go right back because I don't know how to live in freedom. No, that's not really why they came back as with testimony. But even the healing itself and that which the disciples were demonstrating in much the same way that Jesus healed was for the sake that the power to resurrect could be established. Why? Because we are empirical creatures, human, and that is part of our bondage. We need to taste it, touch it, feel it, see it with our own eyes. Before we believe it. 
This is what's happening at this particular moment in history. As I'm reading from the book of Acts. And continuing. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both the men and women. Verse 14. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And what would happen? Something incredible, miraculous. Healings were taking place. They knew this. They saw this. They saw it with their own eyes, though they were bound by their humanity. And I would say that that's the biggest hang-up for most people or persons in human dimension with God is they limit God. (laughs) They put him in the prison with them, which is not a bad thing (laughs) if you're uh, the Apostle Paul. But he's in prison with them. But he doesn't go to prison with them to stay in prison. He goes to prison with them as Jesus went to hell to set the captives free. Liberation follows. There's freedom and liberty in Christ. You can put God in the box, but if he's in the box and he's in there with you, you better watch out. Ashtoreth, I think. Whatever the statue was of the Philistines that they put the ark in with, it'll come crashing down. And you will see very quickly where the real power of life is. And how do you do that? By not trying to escape through the five senses. It won't happen. Your only liberty is going to come from not only believing, but realizing the power, the key to releasing you from bondage is not held by anyone but you. You put yourself in prison. At the beginning of the podcast, I wanted to make sure everyone knew. I don't know what it's like to be in prison, imprisoned in that way. I'm so thankful. It is one of my worst fears. I don't want to go there. That would be, in my mind, mortality. At least akin enough to it, I would die. (laughs) Not to mention all the horrible things that take place in prison. Oh, there's good things too. I'm sure there's revivals. I'm sure there's protection. (laughs) Paul in prison and Silas. The idea, though, I don't know. It's just in my own head. It bothers me. But that's exactly where I am without Jesus Christ. And should I have the keys, the key to the kingdom, to my release? It's not just a psychological operation. It's not just, oh, mindfully imagine yourself somewhere else. On a beach somewhere, waves gently rolling in, the sun on you. Are you going there? (laughs) If you like the beach. It could be the mountains. It could be a brook, a stream. You get the message, the point. It's not going to happen because every time I do that, I have to wake up. That's a dream. It's probably one of the best possible things that could happen or one of several really, really great things that could happen. All of us probably have experience. I think when you talk about nature and as God originally ordered it and 
established it, the Garden of Eden, why wouldn't it be calming, joyful, the closest thing that any of us might know in human dimension? But prison is not like that. And there is a harsh reality when you awaken or when you're suddenly brought out of that state of bliss in in psychological terms. The hell of where you really are and the penitence. Think about this for a while. Do you want to stay here? Rich man and Lazarus, go tell them you don't want to come here. You don't want to go to prison. You want to be set free. But it starts once more with believing and then there is a bit of struggle in yourself. To really believe it's sufficient to act on it because there's going to be all of this around you that's going to say, you're going to wake up and you're going to be in hell. You're going to wake up and it's all going to happen again. You're going to wake up and then you're going to just have to be faced with all the things that in mindfulness you were trying to run from. You're going to wake up and it really will all be a good dream now turned nightmare. Because it won't be real. No, it is real. It's not a figment of your imagination. But it's not predicate upon anything you can imagine. That's a wonderful song. Dates me. It's been around for so long. I can't get past it. I only can imagine if I can only imagine. Because there's nothing that we could come up with in human terms to describe what great things God has set before us. Except to say, you've got to believe and trust that not only God is, but God wants to save you. And he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. Now, what would the exchange rate be? (laughs) We're going to talk about that next podcast, I think, Simon the Sorcerer. You can't buy it. Even the Beatles said that. Money can't buy you love. But what you can do, though, is you can believe in it. And the exchange rate is not material. The exchange rate is love itself. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to save us. When you're coming out of that, it takes faith. It takes courage. It takes the Holy Spirit. But the good news is, You have the keys to that liberty. You have the key to being set free. You have the power of life in earthen vessels. The earthen vessel will go the way of all earth. Back to earth. The power of life, though, does not, is not subject, does not cease, is not subject to mortality. It won't happen. You, however, have to believe that to live your life as if it won't happen. You're not bound by fear. You're not bound by mortality. You're not bound by everyone else trying to convince you. You have no chance. It's going to hurt. It's so painful. It's so awful. And in the end, it's all, even the best, it's all still going to turn out to be a nightmare. And there's no escaping it. You might as well give in to it. It's your lot in life. Verse 16. 
There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them who were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, everyone. I am in the healing business. I'm not a medical doctor. I said that last podcast, or I, I believe I've said that last podcast. I need to go ahead and make that declaration. I did say that last podcast, but it wasn't on this podcast. I actually have two I do one for more secular, clinical sort of presentation on this Bible stuff chases a lot of folks off. And there is a message even in clinical terms. It's Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. But you guys get the best is what is covenants. <laughs> Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. But on Word last week, last podcast, I made that declaration. I'll make it today on what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. I am not a medical doctor. My doctorate is in counseling psychology. But even so, for the sake of us, family, you know as well as I do, that's nothing. It teaches me it is something. It teaches me about humans, maybe more so than I might have gotten had I not spent some extra time in paying attention and studying and Kind of. It also brings me a living, so I don't have to ask you for, in some tithe or offering sort of way, money to support my ministry. I earn that. I'm a tent maker. I'm not. But I am of that sort. But my healing power, if I should possess any, and I said that earlier, I heal people. It's through the, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the Holy Spirit. But I am doing the same thing. And... Addressing them who were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed, everyone. Not because of any power necessarily I possess, except I know where the key is. I know where the liberation comes from. I know the Holy Spirit. I know Jesus Christ. I, however, know because of my training in counseling psychology, all the tricks of the devil that is keeping you from setting yourself free. To do what? To follow chase after the wind. Nicodemus, Jesus said that. The wind bloweth where it wants. It's the Holy Spirit. You just have to go with Him. That's being born again. That's really your liberation. The key is to be born again doesn't require, as Nicodemus learned, a physical birth again. It doesn't matter. You're going to die. Everything that's born physically, blood and water, it's going to pass. It's the spiritual. But you won't do that in spiritual terms until you understand you have to give way to the fear of blood and water, physical death, so that you might then live fully, holy, totally in spirit, in Holy Spirit. Because all the other in your flesh, that fight or flight survival instinct... It's the unclean spirit. Yes, it serves a purpose. It keeps you alive. Yes, nobody wants to necessarily die, and they don't want to do that prematurely. 
But at some point you have to say, should it even require that? And God tells me it's okay, and he's assured me. We may get to, it's probably not going to be, I've got them like an airport. I've got them lined up, ready for takeoff. It may not be the next podcast. It may be the one after that. We're going to talk about Stephen. All this goes together, folks. You have to believe enough, though, to lay down your life in material terms. Give it to Jesus. Give it and commit it to God. Not allow your mortality to scare you. Not allow the fear of death or dying or even that kind of imprisonment. <laughs> put you in jail. If that won't get the message across, Stephen, they'll kill you. They'll stone you. But aren't we thankful that we're not bound by that prison? Aren't we thankful we're not bound by the human nature? Aren't we thankful we're not bound by human sensorium? Aren't we thankful we're not bound by hedonism and hedonic sort of drives? Aren't you thankful that it's not just about physical survival? Aren't you thankful that even so in the physical, God takes care of all your material needs? Aren't you thankful that God sent his son Jesus to show you that even if you should die, you're not dead? Because life is not in the flesh. Life is in the spirit that brings flesh to life. But you don't learn about that until a little later on. And that's why the curse. We're all born into original sin because not only are we bound by our humanity in terms of all that humans are capable of conceptualizing through sensorium, empirically sort of studying and thus even having a concept or a hypothesis, conceptualization sufficient to kind of set a hypothesis upon, we'll never prove it except we can accept Jesus Christ as the evidence of resurrection power. If you can't, you won't believe it. Because <laughs> nothing in your flesh is going to give you that ability to do that. That will put you in prison. Or it does. It, we're born into prison because we're born into the liabilities of our flesh. That's my point. But if you want liberation... Jesus is the only way, truth and life, to life. But in that same sort of way, if you go back, you're going to put yourself back in prison. Be a recidivist. We don't want to do that. My healing is to point this out. That's the healing. I don't know, maybe one day I will heal the sick. Maybe one day I'll speak in these foreign tongues. Maybe one day I'll lay my hands on a dead person and they'll rise. I don't know, maybe that's helped not my belief, but yet my unbelief, because I just don't know that's going to happen to me. But one thing I do know is, my salvation is not predicate upon tempting God in that way. My salvation is predicate upon believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit, which I have access to if I choose in my flesh to take the key out and unlock the door. <laughs> to unlock the door. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, which once again did not believe in resurrection, and were filled with indignation. 
and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. You knew eventually in the passage we'd get to imprisonment. But an angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now the problem with sermons and the problem with preaching to those who have heard plenty of them and who know the word Even so, the devil will desensitize you to the word. Oh, I've heard that before. Or you'll think you'll know (laughs) where the preacher's taking this. And you'll already get in prejudicial sort of terms. Preconceived notions will already bring you to that conclusion. And the path is a simple one to the extent that it always ends up in Jesus. (laughs) But there's always different perspectives. There's always different ways to look at it. That, again, is why people come see me. It's not that you can't read the Bible. It's not that you can't talk to other believers. It's not that you can't speak with your pastors or that your church may have a church full of pastoral care staff that are more than willing to pray with you, lay hands upon you. They can raise the sick. (laughs) They can speak in tongues. They can do all of those marvelous things as then were evidences of, as with signs... And maybe I'm not resurrecting literally so Lazarus from the tomb in my office. The licensure board would probably be glad to hear that I don't go around professing that. I'm not practicing medicine because that would also be in a more secular, humanistic context, evil. And I go to jail for that. You know how I feel about going to jail or... There's an old TV show called Brandon. They'll strip all my bars off of me as with a deserter. I'll lose my commission. Worse than that. I may even be fined. Imprisoned. Punished. No! Those are all the things they do to you. I don't know we've gotten to the point yet where they... Once again, kill us because we're speaking the word of God. But it's going to come. (laughs) The louder I am, if God should give me a platform. And maybe that would be my platform is I am going to start healing people. But I will be ethically responsible enough to say I'm no longer bound by the term counseling psychologist. I'm no longer bound by licensure and ethics. I'm not even bound by (laughs) my ordination. Or my position or station in the church. I'm not bound by all of the things that I am sure God gave us. Stephen had a position in the New Testament church. I take nothing away from his position. But his position wasn't the testimony. Although he was a good guy. and Everybody seemed to like him. And he knew the word. Except the ones that didn't like him. The Sadducees, the same sect here that we're discussing that would imprison them here in a moment or as they are now imprisoned, as I read that to you in their moment, in our moment of sharing, I read that to you. Eventually, in the end, though, it was looking up and seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And 
he appeared as unto an angel. And why would he not? <laughs> because he too was taking on the countenance of Jesus at that moment. Was he Jesus? No. But at that moment, was he Jesus? I believe he was one with Christ before they stoned him. I believe he was one with Christ as they stoned him. I believe as he was forfeiting and giving up the prison of his earthly body or his mortality unto Jesus, even as we... Oh, I'm getting to my other podcast. I hope I'll, I'll hold back enough. So at least I'll, that'll be a teaser then. But he was... As right before our very eyes, their very eyes, he was becoming one with Jesus and crossing over. He was being transfigured. Not only translated by the word, but transfigured in living word. And Jesus was taking him on, or at least the Holy Spirit as in Christ, was bringing him on to be with God, with the Lord Jesus. He could see him. Isn't that awesome? Yes, it was in human terms because he had not yet given up the ghost, as they say, or at least as King James puts it, in a more physical sort of sense. But we won't know until we cross over. But when we cross over, it'll be so much more. But the testimony has to be in ways that translate Word has to be in ways that capture human, at least, conceptualization or capacity for conceptualization. Otherwise, you win no one over, except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that no mortal, (laughs) no human, no angel, fallen angel, has power and dominion over. You can't mute the Holy Spirit. He is life. He's the spirit of life. But an angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, they too were like Stephen, I believe, as I just described them. I'm sure in prison they were still having a bit of struggle with their own mortality. I'm sure even as I confessed earlier, help not my belief, yet my unbelief. I'm sure they did not like the situation they were in. But they weren't declaring victory out of any sort of psychological, sort of metaphysical, in that psychological sort of way, philosophical. Even sociopathically, they weren't planning prison break. Well, if we do this, we can do that. And if we do that, we can get this. And if we get this, then maybe we can go there. And if we can go there, then maybe you can do this and that and go there and be free. No, you can do that your whole life. And that really is your life. And you will always end up again imprisoned because it doesn't work. There's no way out of mortality except to die. And then as you die, and that's righteousness before God. As you die, the corruptible. As you die, the incorruptible. If you've accepted and believed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the incorruptible in Christ is established. It begins to be established now. Our life kind of looks once again like we would be witness to Stephen's being stoned and his great testimony. He was speaking the words. 
after this particular moment, Stephen actually spoke the words and was killed. But speaking the words for the sake of integrity and you're living your life and living word terms, if you don't, then you don't believe. Because if you say you believe, but you don't do these things, these things are even greater. Help not my belief, yet my unbelief. I'm sure they were struggling with that. But they went ahead, and in that moment, it wasn't by proxy or way of anyone else, especially those that put them in a physical prison, the common prison. It was Jesus. It's the angel of the Lord that then came again unto them and liberated them, set them free. Was the Holy Spirit alive in them? Yes, but no more or less than he's alive in you right now. That's the message. You have to allow him to have that power over your life. You can't wrestle with the angel of the Lord without throwing your hip out. (laughs) You can't do it. And there's some that even as we spoke last podcast about Ananias and Sapphira. You can't do that. It is perilous because it is your salvation. It is your human soul's only way of escaping hell. Now, but more so, worse even, then. Heed the warning. This is what casts out vexed spirits. The love of God in Christ Jesus saves you because he forgives you for all the sin he overcomes if you allow him to, the Holy Spirit. Even so, the example in literal testimony, resurrection again, power, the life of Jesus Christ. Live that life. Be as Christ. Way truth in life and life to life. And I guarantee you, you have a place in heaven. And not only a place, your place in heaven is secured in Jesus. He brought them forth. He opened the prison doors and said... And this is the integrity. This is put your money where your mouth is. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now, the Bible I have is not a red letter Bible. Which means for those of you who know what I'm speaking of, those are the words of Christ. But I'm pretty sure this is a red letter verse. Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Was it a physical temple? Yes. Was it a physical jail? Yes. Is the temple the jail? (laughs) I'll leave that up to you. Religion can be just as important as much a way of, of putting you in prison, the Sadducees were subject to that. Their religiosity kept them bound. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, by the way, who did believe in resurrection, 
was a little more open, (laughs) they were, to that. That's why I believe the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, though he was with Stephen the day of the stoning, probably because he was with Stephen the day of the stoning, was capable of demonstrating even further for those of us that might take a little bit more drama and taste hell a little bit more directly. Oh no, not for me. For those of you who need possibly to recognize the fatality or the imprisonment of our mortality. Paul kind of captures that. But I think in this particular sense, the temple was not only the physical temple, but again, we can't deny this is speaking to the body as well. These words of life, it's your tent. It's your material temple. I mentioned that earlier at the very beginning of the podcast. The temple must be destroyed so that Jesus can race it back up. And that was their big deal. At least that was the thing that they were using as the greatest piece of evidence against Christ. Insurrection. He's going to destroy the temple. The way of life of the Hebrew people. The way of life to life as much. The Hebrew people have been taught Mosaic law and had the covenant and were well studied in those things. But that was their hang up. <laughs> their mortality was killing them. The law being bound to mortality, death as the curse was killing them. They needed to be set free and understand forgiveness is the only way to life. And Jesus is the only way to forgiveness. But it's as easy as I'm sorry and meaning it with integrity and then living it. But as they went to the temple <laughs> and said these things that are red letter, verse 20. Acts chapter 5. They were sharing a testimony. That's what I do in counseling. That's what we do in the podcast. It's a testimony. I have to live it. Otherwise, I perish. And what would it be that I told the world of Jesus and then went to hell? What is that? At least it's better than me taking everybody to hell by not telling them about Jesus, not sharing, not offering my perspective, which is unique to me. That's where, again, you come see someone, come see someone like me. You're going to add that to all the others that you see. But I might have a word of life that might be just a bit more seasoned or salted in the right sort of way. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, your salt and light. It is our testimony and ministry of reconciliation. Verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and went to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut. (laughs) It didn't take a physical key. With all safety, the doors were still closed. They were still locked. You're still in your mortality, your body. But there's liberty in Christ, even as you're finishing the course, even as we watch and witness Stephen. Inching closer and closer to his redemption. 
and a keeper standing outside before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they were perplexed concerning them how this would grow. They weren't perplexed over what had happened. They were perplexed and knew. Perplexed. How are we going to stop this? The gig is up. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then with the captain, with the officers, and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we strictly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And who is this man's? It's Jesus. They were worthy of that. Even they, I believe, were being given the opportunity for redemption and salvation. But again, they had hardened their heart. (laughs) And fallen into such the state of apostasy that they were blaspheming the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost comes out of you. In the same way they were set free in Jesus' name, you're going to discover the Holy Ghost has been in you all along. You just have to set him free. (laughs) But he doesn't need even a physical key. He just needs you to believe. And who are you going to believe in? Jesus. And the same thing with all the vexing spirits, the same thing with all the psychological counseling, the same thing with all those maladies, (laughs) psychogenic, psychological, that you bring to someone such as myself with that specialty, specialized pastoral care, I'm going to set you free. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son that all Who believeth should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's yours. And it starts the minute you accept. And then you have to act on it. Lest the devil would come and steal it from you again. I believe salvation is eternal. (laughs) Once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I believe you're saved. Do I believe that you can fall into apostasy? Absolutely. Do I believe you can grieve the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do I believe that you can go back? Backslide, as they say. Yes. I also believe, though, that God never quits on us. The Holy Spirit is always in us, working on our behalf. Possibly there's some, but should there be any that could lose their salvation in that way, I'm going to question where they ever had it in the first place. But can I help you? <laughs> in the same sort of way. If you believe. And willing to act on it. Should you want to reach me, you can call me at 304-528-9220. You can visit us, me, 
covenants.ll oh covenantsonline.com you can email at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com you can catch us on covenants at at covenants on youtube as well as uh, facebook and of course <laughs> you can always come back for the next podcast we drop it weekly and what is the podcast? Well, it is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Until we get that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful opportunity to share God's Word again, I want to pray that you are not only blessed, but richly blessed in the name of Jesus. And that you go tell the world about it. Until we get a chance to meet again. Thanks. Thanks.